0: Hello and welcome to episode two of the Reset and Release podcast.
1: I'm Josh. And I'm Connie. This podcast is all about sex, safety, and satisfaction and looks to illustrate his sex intersects every aspect of our world. Today's
0: episode revolves around sex tech, tech and its rapid development over the last few years. We're excited to have with us Christine Pitts, who is a partner at Backstage Capital. We have loads of questions to ask you, but before we start, would you give us a quick intro about yourself and about Backstage Capital?
2: Sure thing. So my name is Christy Pitts. I'm a general partner at a venture capital firm called Backstage Capital. I live in the Bay Area in California, and Backstage is a remote team. We've been a remote team since 2015, so um, it's not a new thing in COVID. And so we're based all throughout the U.S., and we have actually have had an office in London previously when we ran an in-person accelerator in London in 2019. So uh, Backstage is a bit of a unique venture capital firm in that our thesis is very founder based and specifically we invest in companies based on founder demographics. So we invest in companies that are led by women, people of color and LGBTQ founders. To date, we've invested in about 150 companies in that category Uh, in every sector from frontier technology companies like, like autonomous vehicles and artificial intelligence to consumer packaged goods and beauty companies, as well as sex tech companies. So um, something that we think is a really interesting and important sector, a big investment opportunity. And so we're actively looking at health tech and sex tech companies for investment. And it's an important part of our portfolio.
1: I guess all of us have had experiences of people who are naturally talented and maybe haven't had the leg up that other people have had. And I think VCs at times across the world have maybe not looked deep enough into the talent pool of people across different demographics, and obviously, backstage capital have looked to have that as their their main investment route. But why do you think there's such a significant gap in terms of founders that are invested in, and and what are the barriers that are leading to this misalignment?
2: Yes, so I think that there's a significant gap because of systemic oppression specifically racism and sexism and um it's not always like kicking off a conversation talking about racism and sexism can kind of be a downer but the reality is um, venture capital is an industry that was invented in the united states and um it's the united states has a long history of oppression um and those it's especially entrenched in um areas like technology and finance and venture capital is effectively at the intersection of technology and finance. And so what we see today is that about 2% of all venture dollars go to um, companies founded by women and significantly less than 1% go to companies founded by people of color. And so um, it is a real challenge. And oftentimes it's painted in the light of, um, you know, investing in companies led by underrepresented founders, some kind of charity work, or it's some kind of like Empowerment, like we're late, we're leveling the playing field kind of work. But in reality, um, half of the population is women and, um, globally, the majority of the population are people of color. The business opportunity is huge. And then when you think about the fact, like when you look at, um, demographic shifts when it comes to economics and things of that nature, then you really understand that there's no rational, logical reason for the lack of funding going to these groups. Um, but that it's the result of historic systemic oppression that continues under the guise of things like pattern matching and warm intros and networks and things of that nature. And so we can come in and say no more warm intros. Anybody who wants investment can apply through our website online. No introduction required. Uh, Backstagecapital.com slash apply. I'll just put a plug in there. (laughs) Um, And it can be, you know, at the end of the day, we all want to live in an inclusive future where products are built um, with everyone in mind and not just one archetype in mind. And there's a huge business opportunity, huge financial opportunity to participate in that upside in the future. And so that's what we're doing at Backstage.
0: Obviously, as Funds, you are uh, sector agnostic mm-hmm. and so you have invested in a wide variety of sectors, sex tech being the one that we want to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, in this area, you've uh, previously invested in O-School and Laurels. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be great if you to tell us a little bit about them and the journeys and challenges they've faced so far.
2: Sure. So let's start with Laurels. Um, Laurels is a company that provides um, a panty that women or um, people identifying with women can wear. And this is uh, made out of condom grade latex. And effectively, the goal of the Laurels product is that a woman would never turn down oral sex um, if she was interested in it. And right now, women do turn down oral sex for a variety of reasons. It could be health reasons, like potentially they're worried about infection. It could be that uh, maybe they're a trauma survivor. And so that level of intimacy without some kind of physical barrier is um, traumatic for them. It could be that they went to the gym earlier in the day, and so they're not feeling their freshest. So they might be interested, but they're like, oh, I can't go forward with this. And so laurels really exist to, to solve that problem. And what's interesting about this is that, um, while there are many products for men similar to Laurels, most commonly, like condom, right, which has been around for a long time is widely available in many different variations, colors, flavors, um, <laughs> anything you can imagine. There really hasn't been any innovation when it comes to women's oral sex. Um, specifically the current option out there, if you, before Laurels was invented and brought to market, was a product called the dental dam. And I actually like had heard about this as this dental dam thing. Um, I think when I was like reading a book I consider to be vintage, I was like, oh yeah, this um this character in this book had a dental dam. And I had to like go look it up and I was like, oh, that thing looks like it's from the prehistoric ages. And then when I met Melanie, who's the founder of Laurels, I asked her about her competition and she said a dental dam. And I was like, is that the same dental dam that has been around for decades? She said yes, and I didn't know what it was, so I Googled it. I highly advise not Googling the dental dam unless you're curious. But I, its
1: I think we'll both be after this. Uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> you know, we need to. We need to know them.
2: Okay. All right. How about I change my stance here? Okay. Google the dental dam, and then imagine that you're with a lady friend, and she's like, in order for us to proceed with oral sex, I'd like you to use this to call the dental dam. You'll be like, e- Okay. Lomp, lump, we're, lump.
1: we're going to be exchanging some interesting emails after.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Melanie, um, fixed that with the laurels. It's essentially her product is just like a panty. Um, women can wear it. They can feel sexy. They can participate in intimacy with their partners. And, um, they, this product exists to help close the orgasm gap. So really love this product and Melanie's, um, devotion to bringing it to the market. And really, I think what's critical here is that it's, it's a lot tougher to bring a sex tech product to the market, especially a physical product that's D to C, um, D to C meaning direct to consumer, because there are limits around what can be marketed online. And so um, Melanie has run into that with laurels into some of these marketing um, areas, but I'm happy to say that she has overcome these issues and she's doing well with the product. And um, I think a big reason for that is because her customers really love the product. And once they've used it, they buy it again and, and they tell their friends about it. And that as an investor, that's something that we always like to see with any of our companies.
0: Yeah. I think like the really interesting point there is really around the the lack of innovation in these sectors due to the subject being seen by some as to do. And mm-hmm. that's something that um, at Troglo we are sort of coming up against in terms of like modernizing the way in which we discuss sexual health. And I think that's sort of similar in terms of O School in terms of how they're sort of building on their discussion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And in terms of um, both those companies, how have you seen the sector sort of reacting to them?
2: Yeah. So I think um, I think they're two very different companies, right? So I didn't talk much about O School, so maybe yeah. I should should do that. Um, so O School is a sexual education platform, and they create a ton of video content um, that's marketed. Not marketed is the wrong word. Kind of like, think about it this way. You went through sex ed in school, hopefully, and you also are familiar with U-Porn. And what's in the middle if you want to learn about sexual education, learn about your body or different types of um, kinks and things of that nature? There's really not a great solution until O-School came along. So essentially, you can use this platform to learn about um, about sex in a shame-free way, which is really important because sexual health is part of human health especially to what you're saying a moment ago, that it's very important to have platforms like these that reduce taboo. And um, people understand, you know, we don't have any taboo about brushing our teeth. It's something that's advertised to children and it's like on, on every platform. And it's because it's accepted as a way that you take care of your body and a responsible person brushes their teeth and takes care of their dental health. And in a similar way, I'm not necessarily saying that sexual education should be marketed to young children, But what I am saying is that it is part of your health um, as a person that manages a body. And so you should have access to high quality education about how to take care of yourself and
1: your health. I agree. And it's 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 a sad but funny thing where I'm, as you can tell from Ireland and recently myself and my girlfriend were looking. We were bored during lockdown and we looked at all of the old sex education videos that we were shown in school. And being from this Catholic country, they were they were literally like they were from the 40s. It was like, you know, when you love a man and you're married and you do this, then, you know, <laughs> you love each other and this happens. And then we were like, you know, we were never told about our period. We are never told about sexual urges, what's safe, what isn't safe, how we should go about this, how we can get tested for this, how we can enjoy this. I and mean, obviously there's limits to what you should be taught in school, but It's so great that there's companies out there and similar to like Troglo, similar to O-School, who are hopefully going to bridge that gap because there is a significant gap.
2: Yes, and uh, similar to what you were saying, um, Andrea, who's the CEO of O-School, also grew up in a Catholic environment and went to Catholic school. And um, I too, I'm not, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I grew up going to religious schools and we didn't receive sexual education except to be told to be abstinent, which is like
1: the only way to be 100% safe is absolutely- yeah. <laughs> that's,
2: Great.
1: What, that's what the nuns tell us.
2: Good tip.
1: <laughs> I feel
2: really prepared for experiences now.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. Have you seen over the last while, you know, other exciting sex tech ventures that are coming on the scene? And are, are there any specific areas that you're keeping an eye on that you think could grow over the next few months and years?
2: Yeah. So for me, I think of sexual tech and in terms of the overall umbrella of health and specifically as an investor I'm really interested in the area of investing in women's health um in the US especially there's a real lack of knowledge around um women's health and the things that women go through both from the medical community but also just in popular culture and for what's available online Oustool is a great example of a solution and a product that solves that and so um I think Actually, it's interesting because when we talked about Laurels and we talked about O'Soul, but other companies in our portfolio, we have a company called Mommy, M-A-H-M-E-E, which is a company for, uh, um, new moms. And essentially they help through the prenatal process. So before the baby is born and then after the baby is born, they help new moms access all kinds of resources like lactation consultants and so forth. And I, in my mind, that goes into the same umbrella. Not because sex equals pregnancy, but just because it's something that women haven't traditionally had good access to. And when you do have good access to it, it significantly changes the outcome. And so women's health, specifically earlier today, I spoke with a company that's working on the menopause space. That's something that's really interesting to me. I think it's been significantly under-innovated. Half of the population goes through this, and on average, menopause lasts for seven years. That's a huge addressable market as an investor. Other areas that are interesting to me are areas where innovation is brought to the forefront. So, for example, what Melanie did with Laurel, I thought was very innovative. Um, and then, again, I think in general, there's a, a real opportunity around building community online. We're seeing this kind of like backlash to traditional social media companies. And people are building now communities, dedicated to communities through platforms like Twitch or even Patreon. And so I think there's also space to create um, community around sexual health. I think O-School is a great example of a company in this um, particular vertical, but I think there's opportunity for others as well. So those are kind of some of the thoughts that I have when evaluating companies and meeting different founders.
0: There, there's a lot of um, crossover between what O-School is doing and what Troglo is doing from different mm-hmm. perspectives in terms of facilitating the conversation around sexual health and well-being. And in particular, uh, one of the things we're doing is... Um, Finding that tie in between, uh, sexual health and mental health. Cause so that's mm-hmm. something that tends to get overlooked even by sexual health experts over in the UK. Yeah. So I think there's a huge gap there that's sort of left unfulfilled and, you know, quite painfully, so for quite a few people. The last episode we did, which, um, would be great to send over to you is about, um, that sort of mental health side of sexual uh, health. Um, one thing we found at Troblo is, um, really about the society where we can be fairly squeamish about discussing sex and sexual health. And to an extent, mental health as well, as I was saying. And though this may be my English is showing a little bit, is that something you see, particularly when it comes to the investment space in discussing uh, social health and sex tech?
2: Yeah. So I get to be in a really great space in the investment space. I work at a really diverse firm. All of our portfolio companies have diverse founders. And so I don't often end up in a room where I'm the only one, like the only woman, for example. Um, so I have to say that. Oftentimes, like when it comes to our co-investor group, the people that invest alongside us into our portfolio companies, they're very progressive um, in terms of their investment approaches and typically are really curious and want to learn. Um, But there have been times where I've been at venture capital events and I've talked about um, companies like Laurels and others, and I've gotten like crickets in response or people are... Um, especially, you know, maybe, uh, men who don't feel comfortable talking about things like menstruation or sex and things of that nature. Um, especially when it comes to like a workplace conversation are a little bit deer in the headlights. So, uh, it's happened, but I think that there is this movement of investors that recognize that this is a business opportunity first and foremost. And just like other healthcare innovation and other healthcare um, investments, This is a strong opportunity to make returns. And so um, the people that understand that are really interested in looking at founders and looking at companies building in this space.
1: It's something that I think has become apparent in recent times. Everyone in the world has mental health. Everyone in the world has sexual health. Both aspects are natural to us as human beings. And recently you've seen the growth of obviously some great wellbeing firms like Headspace Mm -hmm. and Mind and others across the UK and Europe as well. And I think sex is something that's maybe lagging behind in people's willingness to be open because maybe they see it as more private or something that it's easier to be embarrassed by. But it is great when there's companies who have success like this and and can be put out there and people see, like what we're trying to do with this podcast, how sex intersects with all aspects of our world, that it's in business, it's in our personal lives, it's in relationships, it connects to mental health. Maybe we can be a little bit more comfortable about it and more open about it. So like even when I was, when you were talking about Laurels earlier, I was thinking, although people will be awkward talking about this, I'm sure many people, male, female, everyone will listen to that and say, Oh, that's actually, that's a great idea. Even though I won't mm-hmm. say it to you, I, you know, mm-hmm. maybe I'd look it up and order some, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but hopefully we'll yeah. get to a stage where people will, will be able to say, Oh guys, look at Laurels. Oh yeah. Laurel, I know Laurels. Everyone knows Laurels.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I gotta tell you, when Melanie was first pitching Laurels, it was through our accelerator program and we had a group of, so we do, um, panel reviews for pitches. And so everybody, um, we have like a thread open up where we're discussing the founder as they're pitching and it's kind of just like crickets in there. No one is saying anything <laughs> because everyone is like, should I go first? Should I? First? <laughs> but, um, actually it was really great because all of us were in agreement that Melanie would be a strong fit for our portfolio. And um, we've been so proud to have Melanie and to have Andrea from O-School in the uh, portfolio and to support this kind of innovation because it's important and because like before it's a big business opportunity, you can go to, to the drugstore and you can purchase all different types of condoms or even um, personal lubricants and things of that nature. And, you know, that shelf hasn't seen a lot of new products and, it's, and new products should be created for that shelf. So, I think that there's a real opportunity here.
1: Do you see startups and VCs then playing a larger role as we go on in this space of sexual and mental health and driving on the conversation with the wider public?
2: I think so. I think there's a couple of pieces here. I think that as founders like Andrea and Melody continue to build and they have um, large exits and large fundraisers, it will raise awareness around the opportunity and sex tech. And then there's stories. Like, for example, everyone knows who Hugh Hefner is, right? Like, yeah. how did he get rich? He founded Playboy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah. he, like we think of him as a business titan. Um, and, and, you know, he really espoused this lifestyle. He was, um, progressive in many ways on that front, um, and maybe regressive in other ways. And so I think that there is room for, um, these stories to be told. And I think that it's going to be the founders that are building in the startup space that probably will, will reach the widest audiences first.
1: Really. And also, at least we have shows like Grace and Frankie that are leading the way in,
0: in this category <laughs>
1: as well. That sort of loops around really well to the
0: like, beginning point around the diversity of founders is something that needs to be improved on quite significantly because obviously you have um, LGBTQ plus people who are some mm-hmm. of the most adversely affected by um, issues in sexual health. You have women who are not seeing innovative um, sexual health and wellness products and so it ties back around to the more VCs, the more accelerated programs can bring in founders that don't look like the norm, the more innovation you see in these areas, I guess.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's been pretty well proven that innovation comes from diverse thought and diverse teams and so if you don't bring somebody new into the room then you can't expect to see anything different than what's been done before.
0: Yeah, very, very well said. Okay, so Christy, the time has flown by, and it's been amazing chatting to you. And so I really appreciate you coming on. But just as we're getting to the end of the podcast, it would be great to ask an open question. And if any listeners had a single takeaway from this, what would you hope that would be from this recording?
2: I think if anyone is listening to this, it's probably because they're following your podcast in general, or they're interested in sex tech or sexual well-being. And so I guess the only takeaway I would have is that interest and curiosity is valid. And um, it represents something that's bigger than just any one person. Now with advances that we have in technology and in business, like these interests can be validated with product and with different offerings. And so, you know, there are people out there like me that are looking forward to taking advantage of those trends and those opportunities. So if I could be a little selfish again, I would say, if you're a founder building this space, we want to talk to you. So you can reach us at backstagecapital.com. And if you're not a founder, but you're a user, or you're interested in it, cool. Like, that's a great thing. And um, I'm glad that, that you found this podcast and I hope that it was interesting for you.
0: Christy, thank you so much for joining us today. I've learned a huge amount from uh, the venture capital side of this and how it's evolving and the role that changing mindsets and sex tech are playing in that. I'm sure Connor and our listeners have also. So that's all for this episode. Tune in this same day next week for episode three of the Reset and Release Podcast, brought to you by Tradebit.